comes in for oh, yeah, her yeah, visit. Yeah, she'll come in. You know, she's for sleeping. Her visit, right. She always makes. <laughs> how you doing, David? Good. How about you? All right. So, um, God, there's so much going on right now. We've been checking MLB trade rumors, wondering if they're going to make that deal for Mookie Betts. <laughs> I mean, we're all on the edge of our seat. I know. So what, what do you got today, man? What's well, going first on? First thing I want to say is. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. That's oh, just yeah, that yeah, was just yeah, terrible yeah. news to hear. I, I was like, please tell me this is fake. Please tell me yeah. somebody got it wrong. And shame on TMZ for putting it out there before the families could know. Yeah, yes. Shame on TMZ for that. I, I saw the TMZ tweet and I was like, oh, this has got to be some kind of fake account or something. Yeah, like me a too. joke. Yeah. And then as, what was it? it was Sunday when it happened. Yeah, right? Sunday morning. So it just sort of unfolded. And yeah, what a tragedy. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, the whole nation, the really the world is mourning. I have a friend of mine. He's down in Buenos Aires right now. And there are tributes down there to Kobe Bryant. I mean, yeah, he's a cultural icon. I mean, basketball is such a huge sport and it's becoming worldwide. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was like the face of the NBA for all those years. Yeah. I mean, just what a guy. Um And, you know, his career, I mean, it's been a really interesting ride that he's had. I mean, with championships, the Shaq era, and then after Shaq left, and then, you know, then they won it again. What was it, in 2010? 2009 and 10, back to back. Yeah, yeah. So he's had a great career. Um, Mm. Really special man. Yeah, and... I was never a Laker fan. You know, that's an L.A. team. I'm about mm-hmm. San Diego teams. So yeah. We've never had a team. So I've just kind of been like a casual observer of the NBA. And it just sucks because I, even though I was never a Laker fan, I always had the endless amount of respect for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll never find a better competitor, a more fierce warrior, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. on the basketball court. Like when... He got hurt against Golden State in 2013 during the playoff push, tore his Achilles, went to the free throw line, hit two free throws, and walked off the court. That was the kind of competitor and kind of toughness and killer instinct that he had. And my favorite memory with Kobe Bryant, you know, obviously Laker fans will talk about the championships or just general NBA fans will talk about his 60-point finale. Yeah. What stood out to me about Kobe Bryant was, forget whether it was game one or two of the 2009 NBA Finals against Orlando. And he wasn't smiling after the game. Like, he looked kind of grumpy, you know, whatever. And they won easily. And a reporter asked him, hey, Kobe, why don't you look happy? And he's like, why would I be happy? Job's not done. Series isn't over. <laughs> so that was just. Yeah. And that's like, so, wow, this guy's a competitor. He's a Mamba mentality, man. Absolutely. And that's <laughs> what I always respected about Kobe Bryant. And sucks that him and his daughter went too soon. And yeah. Thoughts and prayers with their family, man, and the families of the other victims, too. Yeah. That, that really sucks. I mean, the sport is in mourning. The nation is in mourning. Laker Nation is in mourning. The NBA is in mourning. We're all in mourning. Mm-hmm. But just a little bit of a tangent. I, you touch on an interesting point. There, there are teams that we never like. You know, we're a San Diego guy. You know, we don't like L.A. teams, right? I'm, I was originally San Francisco. So L.A. teams are always our rival. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how you dislike a team. But you still have respect for certain players. Absolutely. I mean, you know? and that's just what Kobe was. He was a great player. He had an endless drive to win. He was a fierce competitor. And it's impossible to not respect that, regardless of who your favorite team is. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about, you know, the all time like Laker greats in the 80s, you know, Magic and Worthy and Kareem. I mean, I wasn't a, a Laker fan. But I mean, I was born and raised a Warriors fan, um, and those were some dark times in the '80s and '90s for the Warriors. But I still had huge respect for those guys because they were their quality mm-hmm. men as well as great athletes. Yeah, yeah. So wow, pretty heavy. Yeah, and um, and then you know the Orange Coast College uh, baseball coach perished. Yeah, you and, saw Jeff McNeil saying that he had a huge impact on his career. I think yeah. I read something that 
he coached Aaron Judge at one point, too, if I mm-hmm. read that correctly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a big part of the community college baseball circuit. And I think he was there for like 28 years. Yeah, he'd been there a while. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, heavy hearts. Yeah. On a more positive note, Aztec basketball, 21-0, school record. <laughs> they, they got number 21 in Vegas. So that's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. It's like blackjack. Man, what a run this is. I mean, 21-0. I mean, you know, people take shots at them, like, who have you played? But they've actually played some good talent. You mean you mean every time John Reinstein tweets out San Diego State 20-0, 21-0, whatever the record is, then you get, you know, the idiots from big school conference fans <laughs> are like, who who have they played, man? Yeah. Mount West is terrible. It's like, look at the net rankings. We're number two in the net rankings. Look at our out of conference. We destroyed Creighton, and Creighton's, you know, like a six or seven seed. We beat BYU and Provo. They're a bubble team. I think Lenardi has them in as a ten right now. Mm-hmm. Had a neutral site win against Iowa, and Iowa's like a five seed, I think. And they're climbing. They just beat, what, Wisconsin? Yeah, yesterday? it was a really exciting game last night. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that. I just saw people commenting about it on Twitter. I saw the end of it. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, so, you know, you, you look at a lot of these power conferences, and a lot of them play cupcakes in their non-conference schedule. I mean, you, Kentucky you, lost to Evansville. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. I know. <laughs> you know, so. And who have we lost to? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you got to only play the games that they, they put in front of you, too. But, and yeah. people look at the net ranking of the teams we play or whatever, and they're like, oh, that's easy. They don't understand travel in this conference. Oh, my God. Like, they're just like, oh, you played at number 261 Wyoming. It's like, yeah, at 7,220-foot elevation. I mean, that— People don't realize that unless you're a fan of a Mountain West school. I mean, that's a serious trap game. I mean, you you wonder why the uh, Wyoming doesn't have home games against any Big Ten schools. Because none of them are foolish enough to go to Laramie, Wyoming, because they know it's dangerous. And they know they don't want to go to that elevation if they don't have to. Right. But the Aztecs do it every year. And they've got, what, four games at elevation? Four games above a mile high? Yeah. They've got Air Force in a couple weeks. This team, though, at altitude, I'm impressed with the team winning at altitude. They've won four games at altitude this year. Utah State, BYU, Colorado State, Fort Collins. Right. And Wyoming. So they can, they've got wins at elevation, which is good because they still have to go to Colorado Springs to play Air Force in a couple of weeks. And then New Mexico. Yep. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night. Um, Actually, this is one of the games that I think that we're going to that we not going to lose, but could possibly lose. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Like I said 30 and two a couple podcasts ago. Uh-huh. And I'm sticking to that because, I mean, you still got some trap road games. I mean, you got that New Mexico tomorrow, Boise State on the 16th and then Nevada on the 29th. The mm-hmm. Boise State in Nevada, that's in February, of course. Yeah, I mean, those are tough games. Um, this is, they've had a tough road stretch in the beginning of the season, and now this is the second one that's really going to test them. I mean, this team, though, I mean, just like every time you think something could go wrong that kind of turns the season down, they just keep winning. Okay. Nathan Mensa is probably done for the year. They keep winning. A rope's been in and out of the lineup with a shoulder injury. They keep winning. But you see, the, one of my worries is, I mean, being a little bit of a pessimist on this level— you need that depth when you play at altitude, you know. So hopefully, you know, Narain, Joel Mensa, um, Keisha Johnson. Hopefully, those guys are going to step up when they play in Albuquerque. Well, Keisha Johnson's not really a big guy, but I kind of understand what you're going for in terms of big guys. Narain and Joel Mensa, they both show flashes, but they both lack consistency. Right. Like both of them have games. You're like, all right, these guys can play. And then another game, they're like, what are these guys doing on the floor? <laughs> So yeah. hopefully a rope's back for mm-hmm. the Air Force game. The good news is 
we don't have a weekday game next week after New Mexico tomorrow and back home against Utah State on Saturday. So we, we have a week off between Saturday and the game at Air Force. So hopefully that'll help a rope get back in the lineup. He was on the trip to Vegas, so I can't imagine he'll be out much longer. Do you think he'll play uh, tomorrow night in Albuquerque? I don't know. But it's his shoulder, right? Yeah. But he dislocated it. Um, and what game was that? Was that the Cal Poly game? Wyoming. Wyoming. Okay. But I mean, I might imagine if you dislocate your shoulder, that's got to be a tough one to come back from. I don't know if he like fully dislocated it because there was obviously a chance he was going to play at Vegas if he was on the trip. So yeah, and then you know he kind of dinged it like a couple of games ago, and, and it seemed like it was minor, but maybe they were just being extra careful. I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So this is a great. I mean, this is just so amazingly exciting. You know, because in San Diego, this never happens in San yeah. Diego. Twenty one and zero. Joe Lenardi has this as a one seed right now. Oh, man. That's in the East, though, and that's the question. Would you rather be a one seed in the East or a two seed in the West? Jeez. Um, I'd maybe a two in the West. I think if you can stay close to home. Yeah, and then you get the Sweet 16 Elite Eight at Staples Center. That'd be pretty big. And you're going to have a much greater chance that the Aztec fans show up. Absolutely. If it's yeah. at Staples Center, that's like Viejas North. Yeah, exactly. So if they have to go – remember that one year they had to go all the way back to play in Connecticut – um, you know, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's tough. They make that trip and, and be effective. Now, the good news is I think they could get a one in the West or Midwest if they went 32-0. I mean, like I said, that's probably not very likely. But if they did go 32-0, I mean, they'd probably get a one in the West or Midwest because Gonzaga still has to play at BYU at St. Mary's. Kansas, who has suspensions from the brawl, has to play at West Virginia, at TCU, and at Texas Tech still. Wow. And those are that's your one in the West and Midwest right now. Okay, so yeah, so so you know, Gonzaga might have a off night against a good team. Mm-hmm. Who anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. I stand corrected. Baylor, I believe, is the one in the Midwest, and Kansas, the one in the South. Okay, all right. What about that Kansas fight? Did you see the highlights of that? Yeah. I mean, that was just bad on both sides. First of all, why are you trying to steal the ball down 20-something? Or I think it was actually 30-something at the end of the game. Yeah, it was a punk move. Why would you do that? Like, did you have the spread plus 25 or something (laughs) like that? And then there was no need to stand over the guy either. And then grabbing the chair, that was just over the top. Yeah, completely. It was completely avoidable by both sides. That was just embarrassing display of sportsmanship by both teams. Now, did, did Kansas have any of their key guys suspended? I think they did because I was watching their game against Tennessee on Saturday. I remember the commentators saying something about how they only had one real big guy. So I think they did have somebody key that was suspended. Interesting. Yeah. And, and how long is the suspension? Are they going to be able to play in uh, March? I think the longest one for them is the rest of the regular season. So until the Big 12 tournament. Okay. Wow. That's something. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, at, you know, Gonzaga at BYU and at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. You know, those are uh, no walks in the park. Absolutely not. Yeah. Especially St. Mary's. That's a rivalry. Right. And that's a pretty rowdy gym as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like what well, they call the dog pound for Gonzaga, right? Yeah. Um, it's not maybe that level, but it's still, pre- I mean, they're going to show up in force. Of course. Yeah. For that game. It's a huge game. Yeah. Wow. So it's just funny, you know, like chattering with the uh, Aztec fans online and everyone's concerned about everyone else. You know, what's good. What are these other teams doing? You can't help but do that. But sometimes you just got to focus on yourself 
and, and just really one like it's cliche one game at a time, right? I mean, yeah, usually I feel that, but when you're 21 and 0, you pretty much know you're going to be in the tournament. Like, and as long as you don't completely choke and go like three and five the rest of the way, you're going to have a one or two seed. So you do find yourself worrying about what other teams do. Oh, look who arrived. I think she woke up from her nap. Okay. Um, this is my, my dog, Nona, coming in to visit David. Um, yeah, so the that game, how Trey Pulliam, man, it just, I don't I know. know, 18 that, points. That just shows the depth of this team, though. You can get a guy like Pulliam to step up. It, it was interesting because he always struck me as a guy that was playing his role. You know, he was the point guard off the bench. He mm-hmm. had good handles. He could dribble well, pass well. But he was definitely a pass-first guy. Yeah. But in that game, they needed him. And he even said afterwards, he says once he hit a few shots, he felt like he just couldn't miss. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Pulliam stepping up like that, first of all, I think he scored more points that game than our bench did the previous three or four games combined. Oh, I believe that, yeah. But it just shows that when we need somebody else to step up, we have the depth that somebody else can step up. And and if you look at any championship team, that's usually the formula, mm-hmm. is that when one guy can't step up, someone else will. And then sometimes it's from someone that you least expect. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that game, that time I was pulling him. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What a, that was a great game. Yeah. Um, and then who else? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, Malachi was a little bit off. I mean, he had that huge deep three to start yeah. the game. In the first half, he was off. Second half, he got it going. Yeah. I mean, he should have had like three or four more free throw attempts because he was just getting hacked on some of those and the refs weren't calling it. Right, right. God, Mountain West referees. <laughs> it's, 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 it's awful. Yeah. It's like we're not even allowed to play defense. They'll get called for a foul and they're hacking us all game and there's <laughs> called. Yeah. I just don't get it. So, um, so so we're 20 like how many more regular season games are there? There's 8 and then the Mount West tournament. So 8 more. So that's like 2 weeks of game. I mean, 4 weeks of games. So that'll get us till the end of February. Mm-hmm. And then the Mountain West Conference tournament starting a week earlier. Yes. So it may start as a start on a February date or it'll maybe be early well, the, March. Well, the regular season finale is February 29th, so it's March. Okay. All right, right on. Okay, cool. And then Kawhi coming back, huh? Retire yeah. the jersey. Oh, yeah. Kawhi, jersey retirement, Saturday yeah. night. Gotta love it. And yeah. it's great that they're doing that. My question is, if they're going to start retiring jerseys for, like, basketball, they got to retire, you know, for football. Pumphrey's 19, Penny's 20. There's, yeah. They, they got to start retiring some numbers. I saw somebody say they're going to do that when they open up the new stadium, when there's bigger crowds, which would make sense. Right. It's an interesting deal, though, with ba- with basketball, you know, because um, they always say you have to have a digit zero through five. So the referees can say, you know, foul on number 23, you know, with their hands. Um, and I was thinking this through. That's why that, that's one of the reasons they have to have less uniform numbers. And one of the reasons why they don't want to retire more numbers. But then Kobe was number eight. Yeah. You know, so how did the referees do that? Like, uh Eight, like four over four, or what did they do? Yeah, or a five and a three. Yeah, a five and a three or yeah. something, you know. But it, it's funny. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like it when they retire numbers. I just think it, it builds a culture. It builds a history. Mm-hmm. I think it makes the program special. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA now, and he went to your schools. I mean, and he helped you get to a sweet 16. That should be a no-brainer to retire it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, what are they, you think they'll put it up with the rafters? Um uh, where all the banners are? Or oh, maybe, they should. I think so. Or maybe they start them on the other end. Maybe, yeah. You know, because that the where all the the banner the uh, banners and the rafters it's getting pretty full. Yeah, 
you know? So, cool, cool. Also, while we're talking about the Aztecs, got to talk about Aztec football. Like I said last time on the podcast, I kind of saw it coming once the rumors came out that Rocky was going to leave. And it kind of sounds to me like they told him, hey, make some changes to the offensive staff or you're gone. Plus, he doesn't really like being a head coach anyways. Mm -hmm. He prefers just being a defensive coordinator. So he went back to New Mexico as a defensive coordinator, probably because their new head coach is our old defensive coordinator, Danny Gonzalez. When has that ever happened where a head coach voluntarily steps down and takes a more subordinate position with a rival? Never. But, you know, Rocky's a unique guy and yeah. he just likes to be a defensive guy. Rocky's a unique guy. So that was that was Rocky. Can't really fault him for that, especially if he was butting heads with administration about changes. So but now what's going on with Jack Sears, the quarterback? I mean, he's maybe decommitting or what's going on with he's that? He's still weighing his options. He's not so sure if he wants to come here anymore. And mm-hmm. my opinion on that is if he wants to come here, great. If not, oh, well, I like what Carson Baker did against BYU. I was fully prepared to go into next year with Carson Baker anyways. And I thought he looked good against BYU. Yeah, I agree. And the biggest thing is we got a new offensive coordinator because Brady Hoke, welcome back, is the head coach. Right on. Which is cool because a lot of people bring up his failure at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Some guys just are better at smaller schools. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic after he was <laughs> terrible at USC. Lane Kiffin. <laughs> okay, right. You're right. So sometimes guys are just meant for smaller schools. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, Hope did well here the first time. I think he'll do well here again. And we got a new offensive coordinator, Jeff Hocklinski, I believe is how you say it. He was the Kansas tight ends coach. He was with Brady Hoke at Ball State in Michigan. He has been offensive coordinator before, not at the FBS level, at um. I believe it's Division Two, Southeastern Missouri, mm-hmm. and FCS Indiana State about um, 15, 17 years ago, something like that. All right. So what, was he just hired? It must have been. <laughs> yeah, he was last- just hired like a week or two ago. I don't think it's even been officially confirmed by like the school. I just saw reports of it on through like college football writers on Twitter. Yeah, one of my friends, his name's Ted, and he's a huge Aztec fan. And he was complaining. He thought that the Aztecs and Brady Hoke were too slow to fill out the rest of his staff, particularly the offensive coordinator position. And he thinks that's why Jack Sears maybe took a step back because he wasn't sure if the offense was going to be, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust run game um, offense or if they were going to open it up. So, Well, I mean, they got to open it up. And I don't think Jeff Horton's offense was either of those things that you said. I think it was run the ball up the middle and hopefully somebody busts one. <laughs> Yeah. So he well he's gone thankfully. So. Well, he's still here. He actually took a demotion to running backs coach, which credit to him for eating some humble pie and doing that. Especially cuz he's actually a good running backs coach. I mean, look at Muema and Pumphrey and Penny and yeah, yeah. all these guys. He's actually a good running backs coach. He just can't call plays at all. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, good. All right, now we're going to get into the Padres and those Mookie Betts rumors. <laughs> Mookie Betts. Well, I'm loving this discussion. Here's so. the thing. I think I think they should definitely get him because Boston is not in a position a team normally would with a guy like Mookie Betts. Normally a team's like, okay, I know it's only a one-year deal, but this is an elite player. You know, we mm-hmm. can ask for Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Luis Patino, and start with that. But Boston's kind of in a bad situation. You know, they're over the luxury tax trying to get under it. And remember, Alex Coro was behind the whole vi- using video to steal signs in Houston, and he got fired by the Red Sox because yeah. he supposedly took that over to Boston with him. Right. So they might be you know losing draft picks like Houston did too, and their farm system is terrible. So they're almost in a position where you know they have to ask for quantity instead of quality. 
So if you can take advantage of that, then just give them, you know, a, a package headline by Camp Usano, who I like. But this is Mookie Betts we're talking about, yeah, man. Right, right. If that's the best guy you're giving up, even for one year, Mookie Betts. I think you should do it, especially because you can make the argument, well, that doesn't make the Padres better than the Dodgers. It doesn't make them World Series contenders. Hey, man, if you get in the playoffs, you never know what can happen. Look at the Washington Nationals. Well, you know, the the prognosticators are saying right now that Padres are going to be on track for, what, 83 and a half wins? Is yeah. That's one of the things I saw. But like you said, anything can happen. You just like a swing of five or six games and suddenly— If you put a Mookie Betts in there, you're looking at high 80s. The second wild card was 88 wins this yeah, exactly. last year. Yeah, and and I think the pitching staff is going to be a lot better mm-hmm. um, because all of those guys have upside. I mean, tremendous upside. And here's the thing. If the Padres were to find themselves in the playoffs— and I talked about this last time when we were, or it might have been two podcasts ago, when we were talking about debating whether we need an ace or not. And I was talking about the bullpen and the way they are, they've built the bullpen up. Doesn't that remind you of the 2014-15 Kansas City Royals teams? Yeah, you went right. to a yeah, World yeah, Series yeah, and yeah, would have yeah. would have won two in a row if not for Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> so yeah, and those Royals teams they didn't have great starting pitching. They didn't have you know a lineup full of superstars. They just had a bunch of good players in there, and then their bullpen was dominant. You know the Wade Davis, the Kelvin Herrera's. Mm-hmm. They had Greg Holland one of those years. He had Tommy John another year. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's an interesting formula. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right on. So I, I, I'm optimistic, and you know we've we've debated this whole Will Myers thing and whether we should dump him or package him with trade picks. I like this move. If Will Myers is in it, you put in some prospects because number one, you're getting bets back. Yeah, um, even if it's for just a year. I mean, we had Kevin Brown for just a year. Hey, and here's the thing: even if you know we're talking about eating fifteen, twenty million of Myers' contract or whatever, would you rather pay? Forty-seven million for one year of bets, or sixty-three million for three years of Myers. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a that's a way to look at it. Yeah, and I almost think that the Padres basically have to do this because if the Dodgers run on him, we can't let the Dodgers have him because though we hate the Dodgers, but <laughs> they're too smart and they yeah. value their prospects yeah. too much yeah. to trade guys. For a guy that they're just going to have one year. If if the Dodgers get their hands on Mookie Betts, they're going to extend him almost right away like St. Louis did after they got Goldschmidt from Arizona last year. Well, well, first of all, the Dodgers and, didn't sign Machado after they traded for him, but I and, guess they had Seager, I guess, right? Well, and, and when I said this on Twitter that we can't let L.A. have that, people are like, oh, you're overreacting. You don't know what you're talking about. You're stupid. You need help. Like, people <laughs> told me that, and I'm like, guys, they didn't give up these prospects to the deadline because they're talking about protecting the future. If they trade them for a Mookie Betts, they're going to extend Mookie Betts, and how do you think we're going to compete with that if they got Mookie Betts the next 10 years? So th- this, this reminds me a little bit of 1998. When the Padres signed Randy Myers to prevent that, um, I think it was the Braves from signing him. It was almost like a defensive move. You want to sign the guy to keep your rival from getting him. I mean, the the freaking San Francisco Giants, like they claim Cody Ross just so we can't get him. Then he ends up winning NLCS MVP for him. <laughs> That's the San Diego sports curse right there. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the other interesting angle to this is that the Padres 40 man roster is always kind of a, a tough thing to manage. Yeah. And there's a, they have a lot of talent. So doing like a two for one, three for one, four for one, that, that makes sense to me. And here's the thing. This is really bad. If the Padres don't get this deal done because ownership doesn't want to eat 
Mora Meyer's contract. That's a bad, that's a really bad look on ownership, if you ask me. And here's why I say this. You can argue about the, the big contracts they've given out, but are they, but they had one of the lowest payrolls, and you had people talking about how they were going to boycott the team for not spending money if they didn't sign Machado, because they had one of the lowest payrolls then. So they pro- you can make the argument they just did that you know to keep the fans interested so they would come to games mm-hmm. spend money mm-hmm. on merchandise so that's a big question for Padre ownership if they don't eat the money necessary to get this deal done and he ends up going to the Dodgers and they extend him instead that's going to look really bad on our ownership group but they've already stepped up I mean they what they put went in on Pomeranz um, you know isn't the payroll is like somewhere near the median isn't it yeah right in the again you can make the argument for. <laughs> That, but I'm saying that it, it almost looks like to me if they don't want to do this to, you know, get Mookie Betts in here and prevent the Dodgers from getting him, then that looks really bad. I mean, yeah, that, that, make, that looks that makes it look like they're just spending the minimum amount of money to keep the fans interested. Yeah, well, it, but it is a business. So And here's the thing. Yeah. Cincinnati is a smaller market than us. Oh, they're, the going, Red, they're going crazy right And now. the Reds have dumped... 128 million on Mike Moustakis and Nick Castellanos this offseason. Yeah. And Cincinnati is a smaller market than us. I'm sure the income there isn't as high as San Diego. No. And they still got an NFL team to compete with for, you know, money and fans yeah. and resources. And we don't have that in San Diego. You know, <laughs> well, it's, it's the Bengals. So, <laughs> I mean, I, but I hear you. I'm great, joking. I mean, San Diego County has a million more people than greater Cincinnati, and there's more financial resources in really? the market. Wow. And. The Reds are competing against the Bengals for, you know, fans and money and yeah, attention. Yeah. What are the Padres competing against? I mean, you can say Aztec basketball, but I mean, if you're not, if you didn't go to San Diego State, well, maybe if you didn't go to college at all, you're a San Diego State fan, but if you went to college somewhere else, you're probably not a San Diego State fan. So they're the only like pro sports team that you're competing against for that. Yeah. 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 I hear you. So, yeah, it's just, it just, it, everything, it seems like something's going to happen. You know, and, yeah. and we're recording this podcast is what probably about two twenty or two thirty yeah. now on Tuesday. Uh, by the time we put this and record it and post it, Mookie, Mookie may already be on the team, or he might be a Dodger, or he might be a Dodger, just like Tommy Pham was. Tommy Pham was a Padre hours after we recorded a podcast <laughs> last month, right? And then we looked, and then we looked up because it's like it, you had to put in the description <laughs> we recorded this before we traded for Pham. We're not stupid, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I I'm, I I just love you know the hot stove and all the what's going on with, with baseball. It just it's fun and, and to fantasize about what players could potentially be on the team, and it's just fun to have a conversation about having bets on the team. It, it was amazing that we have Machado. I know. I mean, who would have thought that we would have signed him? So. It's like the Padres are like relevant, you know. It's funny because I joked a couple podcasts ago that a maybe might have been last podcast that Preller would have something up his sleeve in February because of the last two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's just waiting until Saturday for February first to pull another <laughs> February magic on us, or, or maybe February second on Groundhog Day, you know, well, to do it all over again. Well, that's Super Bowl Sunday, <laughs> so I'm not sure about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that Super Bowl, yeah, no big deal. We just got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Got the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And this, to me, is a great matchup. And I'm not saying this because it's a great game. But as a San Diegan, this is a matchup I wanted for so many reasons. And also the fact that my parents are 49er fans. Okay, good. So, and But there's a lot of San Diego ties to this. I mean, John Lynch, Niners GM, Torrey Pines yeah. High School. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Damian Williams, starting running back for Kansas City, Mira Mesa High School. Cool, cool. And either way, an Aztec gets a ring. Actually, two Aztecs get a ring as San Francisco wins because Daniel Brunskill, backup O-lineman. Right. And Alex Barrett's on the practice squad for San Francisco. And former Aztec tight end David Wells is on Kansas City's practice squad. David Wells. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, So either way... See, either way, at least one Aztec's going home with a ring after Sunday. And and do the practice squad guys get a ring? Yeah, Calvin Munson did uh, when he was on New England's practice squad last year. Okay, cool. Uh, Right on. Um, You know, it's I know we're bitter and angry about the Chargers, but it's kind of nice to see an AFC West team in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's great to see an AFC West team in the Super Bowl, especially a team that all those Spanos trolls like absolutely hate. (laughs) And it was so funny because. In the divisional game against Houston, they were down 24 nothing. You saw the Spanos trolls like, LOL, Chiefs, biggest chokers ever, which is yeah. a joke because they own the Chargers. Right. So it's like, and they're worried about them choking in the playoffs, so the Chargers usually don't even get there. They're like, LOL, Chiefs, classic postseason Chiefs, like, go eat another hamburger walrus or something like that. And then they <laughs> score, what, 41 unanswered yeah. points and win 51 31. Yeah, Mahomes is something. You know, it's like the whole, um, it's interesting how the quarterback position goes in waves. You know, you, you'll have those big, you know, pocket passers, like when they, you know, when Manning and Roethlisberger and Rivers were all drafted. Yeah. Now it's all these mobile quarterbacks. It makes the game pretty exciting. Mahomes is, is amazing. Yeah, he's he's terrific to watch. Everyone says, like, that San Francisco defense, everyone hypes them up. When are they faced in Mahomes? I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't what he used to be. Right. Um, and both teams have excellent tight ends. Absolutely. Probably the two best tight ends in the game. Yeah. And George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And then, you know, there's other, like, interesting little storylines, like how Joe Montana played his final two years for the Did Chiefs. Did you see that tweet he's, he said after the the day after the championship games? He's like, either way, my team won. Yeah, yeah right on. <laughs> so, yeah. anyways, why I like this matchup is, you go, you know, obviously the San Diego connections that I mentioned, but Clark Hunt, the son of Lamar Hunt, the founder of the Chiefs, Clark Hunt's basically the owner of the Chiefs now. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, he was... The only one on the six-person relocation committee that recommended Inglewood over Carson, and his reasoning was that he wanted to keep tradition intact and the Chargers in San Diego. So Clark Hunt was pro-keeping the Chargers in San Diego, and he's the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. So ah, maybe be cool if he got a ring because he stuck up. He stuck up for us in San Diego. I didn't know that. And if any Spanish ah. troll hears this, they're gonna be like, "Oh, stop acting like they care about you." He just wanted the state of Missouri all to himself. I mean, yeah. that can't hurt. It. That can't hurt. But Lamar Hunt founded the the team, and the Hunt family is very tradition oriented. I mean, look, yeah. they do. Another reason I would like to see him get a ring is he does with Arrowhead what Dean Spano should have been doing with Qualcomm. You know. 150 200 million every mm-hmm. 10 15 years keep it modern never need yeah. to come beg into the city for a billion dollar handout for a new stadium <laughs> and then you see and this is another thing that bothers me about our media here is you got these guys defending the chargers for the mistakes they made in handling qualcomm stadium or sccc or whatever you want to call it like the kept faith podcast page tweeted during the AFC championship game man that stadium bill in 1972 still looks pretty damn good for football like uh, saying, not, like saying, like taking a shot. Like, why couldn't the Chargers ownership do this? And then you know, you got Jay Posner, he, who like he just always has to be right about the fact that there was never going to be a stadium solution in San Diego because he's just so arrogant like that, <laughs> and he has to always be right about how that can't happen in San Diego because right. even though he's wrong about that, but right. he's arrogant about it. So he replies <laughs> to the tweet. Well, you know that it cost $375 million and it was always designed for football. And, you know, Jackson County paid like $200 million. That's like, yeah, but 
200 million? We would have approved that in San Diego. We voted 44% to give Spanos 1.15 billion, which most of the families couldn't even vote on, by the way, that mm-hmm. would have said yes to it, but couldn't vote. Right. And that was after all he did, after trying to go Carson with the Raiders, after the Bosa holdout, after 4 and 12 and Keenan McCoy. So if he asked for 200 million, you know, like to keep it up in like the 80s or 90s, it would've, he would have gone that and we'd still be playing there, you know? But then, you know, Jay Posner's arrogant. He has to always be right about that and has to say that. (laughs) It's such a joke. Eli Manning and his family were right. When they passed on the on the on the Chargers because they didn't like the Spanos family, yeah, and we all took offense to that. I remember, but now looking in hindsight, they had it right. Yeah, and I even I even said like, you know, Eli, we hated on you, but you know, you and your family were right. Congrats on the right decision. Congrats on your two Super Bowls. Yeah. Enjoy your retirement, man. You were right. Is he a Hall of Famer, Eli Manning? That's a great debate, and a lot of people say he was too mediocre for a lot of his career. I mean, mm-hmm. he had some pretty bad years at the end, but. The guy was a clutch performer. I mean, you can't take that away from him. Two Super Bowls. That's yeah, and that 2011 hard. postseason that he had. That's one of the most dominant postseason runs ever. Was that the the era when the wide receiver caught the catch on his helmet? No, that was 07. That was, that 07. was the 07 run. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. So th- my gosh. So I, th- yeah, the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it because the Niners were my team growing up. Right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And so you know, I'm not as connected to the NFL. I don't have like, you know, favorite players really, but at least I can harken back to my childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a great run in the 80s and the, and the one Super Bowl in the 90s, but it's been pretty quiet for San, Diego, San Francisco. Yeah, that's another then. thing that's great about this Super Bowl is, you know, the Niners haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. Kansas City hasn't won one in 50 years. So either way, you're getting a champion that hasn't won in a long time. And no Tom Brady. Yeah. No New England <laughs> Patriots. Yeah. Um, so that'll be good, too. So I remember the last time the Niners were in the Super Bowl, the power went out. Yeah, against Baltimore. <laughs> so hopefully we don't have that problem. So where where is the game this year? It's uh, Miami, Hard Rock Stadium, which, by the way, the Dolphins owner paid for that $650 million renovation himself, which was the same price Dean Spanos paid to go to L.A. And Hard Rock Stadium, called Sun Life at the time, was not originally built just for football. So take that, Jay Posner. You were wrong. <laughs> so that was Joe Robbie Stadium, right? And yeah, the Joe Marlins. Robbie, pro player, Land Shark, Sun Life, the stadium that had like 10,000 <laughs> names. Yes. <laughs> okay. So completely redid for the same price Spanos went to go to LA. And you got Jay Posner saying that we couldn't do that in San Diego. Okay, Jay, sure. <laughs> so the Super Bowl is on Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday. Okay. Um, because they, they did it, they always do a two week break between the championship games and the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, which I don't like because it gives the talking heads, much of, many of them which are uneducated and just have their biases and their yeah. stupid hot takes, mm-hmm. more time to talk about it. Right. But they did, I guess, the Pro Bowl game last week, didn't they? On Sunday, yeah. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in yeah, years, I mean, so who, nobody, who, nobody yeah. tries. Nobody, that's just a joke. <laughs> it is a joke. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so you know it's interesting. I, I I think I might have mentioned this before. One of my old friends told me that the holiday season, you know, in terms of festivities and eating and candy and everything, starts on Halloween and it ends on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah, this is the bookend of our holiday season. Yeah, and now that I got all the Kansas City connections out of the way, can't, I mean, sorry, the San Diego connections to San Francisco and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say what I think is going to happen and. 
I see a lot of people say, well, San Francisco is going to win like that defense. It's like, yeah, look at the offensive lines they faced. Kansas City's offensive line is much better than Minnesota and Green Bay's. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes has the ability to extend plays like Rodgers doesn't have that ability to dance around back there forever like he used to. He's getting older yeah. now. He's had yeah. some leg injuries. Yeah. And Green Bay's offensive line was so overpowered. He had no chance. Uh, Kansas City's the best offensive line San Francisco's faced in a while. And Mahomes has the ability to extend plays. And you can't cover Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman. You can't cover those guys forever. Well, Tyreek Hill is the guy that's crazy fast, right? Yeah. Some, I think they were saying he might be the fastest guy in the NFL. Yeah, and that's another thing to look Because the only real good defensive back San Francisco has is Richard Sherman. Like, their number one pass defense just because they get to the quarterback mm-hmm. like if they don't get to Mahomes they're gonna be in trouble because they can't cover those Kansas City receivers yeah I mean like the yeah that was a Kelsey the tight end yeah I mean that guy is just money yeah if you throw anywhere near him he's gonna get it and then I hear all these people saying well how are they gonna stop Raheem Mazard after he had that huge NFC championship game against Green Bay he's a good back don't get me wrong that was a once in a lifetime performance against Green Bay yeah yeah and people said all week before they even beat Houston people questioned how Kansas City was gonna stop Derrick Henry and they contained him so what are the Vegas guys? What's the, what's the line on the game? I believe Kansas City is either a point or a point and a half favorites. Ah. I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah. And people also talk about, yeah, and also people talk about, you know, the Kansas City's defense being able to stop the run like I talked about. Mm-hmm. Can Jim, the question is, can Jimmy Garoppolo come back from down 10 if Kansas City just jumps on him early? Because they don't ask Garoppolo to do too much. I saw that he had the second fewest passing attempts of any QB who played 16 games. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, so, how many passes did he throw in the NFC Championship game? Eight? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Trent Dilfer when he was the quarterback of, what was it, the Buccaneers? No, 2000 Ravens. Oh, there was the Ravens. I mean, yeah. It was the same kind of deal, right? Well, Brad Johnson was a similar deal in 2002 with Tampa Bay, yeah. yeah so they just they, they make very few passes. They're conservative. They're controlling the clock, right? Yeah. And I saw another stat that was talking about, like, how the Niners had 55-plus sacks, and there was a stat like all six or seven of the previous teams that had 55 sacks and made the Super Bowl one. But there's a, lack, there's a lot of lack of context to that. Like one of them was the 05 Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. when they beat Seattle. And, of course, that game has a lot of questionable officiating calls that many people thought screwed Seattle, and it was an 11-point game. Right. Plus, you know, that's Detroit-Pittsburgh with a huge fan base over there in Pittsburgh. That was a huge, heavy Pittsburgh crowd. Uh-huh. Right. Another one of those teams was the 07 Giants, and that was a huge upset. Mm-hmm. And then the 08 Steelers were another one of those teams. I mean, again, huge pro-Steeler crowd down in Tampa Bay, plus it was against Arizona, who doesn't have a huge fan base outside of Arizona. Right. And, and Arizona's far away from Tampa. And the Steeler fans travel. Yeah. So that was a. I remember watching that game. That was a huge pro Pittsburgh crowd. It was like, is there any Cardinal fans there? You know, they were playing the Super Bowl too. It sounds so like Pittsburgh, the Charger Stadium at so, Carson. So Pittsburgh won that game <laughs> with that 55 plus sacks they were talking about. Yeah. But if Kurt Warner doesn't throw that interception on the goal line, the pick six at the end of the first half, Arizona would have won that game. So you look at that stat alone, it just lacks context. And yeah, I don't think yeah, it. Yeah. It, it's an interesting stat, but it also lacks context as to, like, how exactly, like, a team's going to win. And the thing about Kansas City that I think, too, is it just seems like they're a team of destiny. We've been seeing that with a lot of teams lately, yeah, last couple years yeah, in sports, yeah. like Washington Nationals in this last World Series, the St. Louis Blues in the NHL Stanley Cup mm-hmm. last year. And another thing about Kansas City they have going for them is 
they had the heartbreaking defeats in New England in the AFC Championship game. You know, they had the game one interception. D Ford, who ironically is on San Francisco now, was offsides. <laughs> right. And then, you know, they give up the touchdown, they get a field goal to force overtime, and then New England scores in overtime. So that heartbreaking defeat that sat them all winter, and New England won that Super Bowl 13-3 over the LA Rams. Oh. So you, that was such an ugly game. Oh, you, it was awful. you had to assume Kansas City would yeah. have been able to beat the Rams. Yeah, for sure. Especially because L.A. was lucky to get there because there was that bogus non-pass interference call against New Orleans yeah, yeah, in the yeah, SEC yeah, Championship. Yeah, I remember Anyways, that. when you have that heartbreak the next year, th- that one year, the next year, your whole season is about getting back to that point. And that doesn't always, that doesn't guarantee a championship because there's plenty of examples of teams that don't get mm-hmm, back there. Mm-hmm. Like the 2016 Atlanta Falcons didn't get back the next year. And... There was another team. Oh, the Dodgers lost in seven games to Houston in 2017, and they didn't beat Boston in the next World Series. So it doesn't guarantee a championship, but there's plenty of examples of it. But it's a big motivator. I mean, you know, look at, you... here's, an exa- here, here's a list of examples I got in front of me. 2008 Lakers, the, you know, they had those years. They kind of lost early in the playoffs after Shaq left. Mm-hmm. They finally got back. They lost in six games to Boston. The next year they turned around and pretty easily beat the Orlando Magic. In five games in the 09 NBA Finals that were losing the previous year. The 2011 Miami Heat, you know, they got upset by the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. And the you know, people were questioning how good LeBron is and mm-hmm. big games. Next year, they come back and be an Oklahoma City team that had home court over them. By the way, Oklahoma City, Thunder, another franchise that got stolen from a city that supported them. Yeah, yeah you're right. Big Anyways, time. Back, on, yeah. back on topic. That Oklahoma City team yeah. was... Had home court advantage. You could argue they were favored over Miami. Miami beat them in five games. They won game two in Oklahoma City and swept the three in Miami. Mm-hmm. So after they wanted to get back to that point, and they took care of business in the finals once they got there. Next year, you look at the 2013 San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich, probably the second best coach all time after Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. has a brain freeze and doesn't have Tim Duncan on the floor to get the rebound. They get an offensive rebound. They kick it out to Ray Allen. He hits the three. The Heat win in overtime, win game seven. Next year, the Spurs get back there, and they take care of business easily against the same Heat team in 2014. And then was that the Kawhi year? Yes. Okay, yeah, where he won the MVP and in then the finals. you're looking at another Kansas City team, the 2014 mm-hmm. Royals. You know, they had the tying run in the bottom of the ninth at game seven, 90 feet away. Right. They come back the next year, and they get back to the World Series. They beat the Mets pretty easily once they got to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Well, look at college basketball. 2016, uh, UNC lost on the buzzer beater to Villanova in the final. Yeah. Next year, they bounced back and they beat Gonzaga to win the championship. Yeah. 2018, Virginia was the number one overall seed. Mm-hmm. They became the first one seed to lose to a 16 when they lost to UMBC. The next year, they bounced back, they got one seed again, and they went on to win the national championship. So when you have that heartbreaking loss in the postseason the year before, it just seems like an extra motivator to, you know, get back there. And once you get yeah. back there, it's like there's nothing that's going to deny you. And that's kind of how I feel about the Chiefs. Well, you know, there's <laughs> another example of that is um, I was uh, had a podcast episode here with Joe Murray's dad, Pete Murray, who's yep. running for judge. And he's a dookie. Right. Yeah. And we were talking about how they lost to UNLV in the NCAA finals early in the 90s. And then the next year they beat UNLV in the championship game. How about that? So, so same thing. Yeah. Same. That's basically what happened with the San Antonio Spurs and Miami Heat in 13, mm-hmm. 14. Mm-hmm. So about that. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah. Thanks for adding. And one more thing I got to say about Kansas City and why I think they win. 
it's kind of just feels like you know a per- that kind of perfect storm for them where like everything mm. falls into yeah, place you yeah, know yeah, yeah. you know their season was at a crossroads they were tied with the Raiders at six and four after losing four of six when Mahomes was hurt Hill was hurt Eric Fisher their starting left tackle was hurt they had a bunch of other guys playing banged up and you know their season was kind of at a crossroads and we see this a lot especially in the NFL I mean there's exceptions like the 16 Patriots and mm-hmm. the 13 Seattle Seahawks didn't really mm-hmm. face any adversity. But a lot of these Super Bowl champions, there's a point in their season where they're at a crossroads and then they get on a roll and they start going. And that's kind of feels like, like the Chiefs right now. And it's also just, like I said, perfect storm. I mean, when they were six and four, you know, there was question if they'd even make the playoffs. I always thought they would end up winning the division. Mm-hmm. But there was people questioning if they were going to make the playoffs or not. You know, Raiders were tied with them at six and four. They were scheduled to go to Arrowhead in a couple weeks, you know. Kansas City escaped that game in Mexico against that team up in L.A. that we don't <laughs> like to refer to by name. Yeah, you're right. Then they had their bye week. Then mm-hmm. they killed the Raiders at Arrowhead. Then they went into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. They had a fairly easy win against a Denver team. The only loss that Denver had when Drew Locke played quarterback. And it was a pretty easy game. They beat them 23-3 at Arrowhead. Then they went into Chicago next week and handled the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And then they won week 17, and this is where that perfect storm started to happen. You know, New England somehow lost to Miami. You gave them a first-round bye. New England then lost to Tennessee at home in the wild-card round. And then Baltimore was the the only team that was seated ahead of them and the team everyone thought was going to the Super Bowl. They got upset by Tennessee. Mm -hmm. You know, so Kansas City, once they beat Houston, they got that home AFC championship game against the 60, which they won. So it just feels like that perfect storm for Kansas City where everything's falling into place. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I see with the Chiefs. So you have a predicted uh, final score? I'm going to go with 27-23 Kansas City. Okay. So um, so we... we, uh, Right now, the Chiefs are like a one-point favorite, so you think the Chiefs will cover the spread? I do. Yeah, right on. Okay. What are your plans for the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm not totally sure yet. Uh Get together with some friends, maybe family. You're not sure? You're not sure yet. One last thing I want to add about Kansas City, too, is that this game is in Miami, which is much closer to Kansas City than San Francisco. Right. And that's some diehard, real passionate fans over there at Arrowhead that have been waiting their whole lives for the Chiefs to get to this point. Oh, yeah. There's going to be... I predict a very heavy Kansas City crowd down in Miami. That's one last fact you got to consider. Well, either way you cut it, there's going to be a lot of red in the stadium. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So much going on in the world of sports. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this week we got the Aztecs on Wednesday, and then they're going to play Saturday night, the Kauai game. Yep. And then Sunday is the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in the mix of all this, we're going to find out about Mookie Betts and the Padres. Yeah. So a great week. Absolutely. All right. This is a great time of year for sports. You know, college basketball is in full swing. Spring training is coming up. Those those last trades and free agent signings you got to make. Yeah. And, so, the, and the NBA is getting interesting. NBA is heating up. I actually watched the Clippers against the Heat last Friday. Mm-hmm. Kawhi's With, first career triple-double. How about that for our Aztec? That was nice. Yeah. I remember seeing that. So. Yeah, this is a great time. And then and then, you know, the the the, the Lakers and the Clippers were supposed to play tonight and they postponed the game. Yep. That makes sense to me. Absolutely, yeah. So I guess it's gonna be Wednesday night. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure about when they're gonna make it up. Um I saw shots um around Staples Center and I guess 
there's an area there that's like an open concourse, and there's just a huge Kobe tribute. Yeah, you know, with flowers and all kinds of. They things. had to wait till Monday to do it because the Grammys were at Staples Center on Sunday. Uh, and a lot of people were saying, "Screw the Grammys, that's Kobe's place." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree. Like, yeah, I never yeah, watched the yeah. Grammys, and you know, yeah, that was that was Kobe's home, man. It is the Where house, you, the house that Kobe built. Maybe. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right, and uh, go Aztecs, and um, and then we'll, we'll, I, I guess if you're a betting man, go for the Chiefs, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be rooting for the 49ers. I'm just going to be rooting for a good game because I got reasons for, to want both teams to win, so I just hope it's a good game. Right on. Not like the stinker last year. No, that yeah. was that was terrible, and yeah. it was Boston against LA, like the two cities. Like I never want to see win. I now just as a side, I remember I had. Um, that I think, if I remember correctly, I had the box three three, and the the score was three three at the half, and it was thirteen three as a final, and so I won you know the square bet twice, which is great too because you kind of got lucky because the Rams missed a field goal in the last couple of seconds. <laughs> I know, so we were very lucky. So all good. All right, thanks, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. 